Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, they flourish like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it, and it has gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants, who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be uh, sharing with you this morning. And what a great psalm to be having a look at. We've been going through our series on the psalms, and uh, we're up to this week, Psalm 103, and David of uh, starts, who's written this psalm, and he says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, O my inmost being, praise his holy name. But although it may not seem like it, the main point of what David is trying to say is in verse 2. If you look at the Hebrew and how David structured it, the main point is verse 2 where he says, Praise the Lord on my soul and forget not all his benefits. That's the big point of the psalm. And everything else, the rest of the psalm is listing off all the benefits. Now, I don't know where you're coming from today, whether uh, you're new to this whole church thing or this, this God thing or whether you're quite close to God and you know God personally. Wherever you're coming from, can I suggest to you today that the basic key to all our problems in life is here. The main problem that we have is that we forget. We forget what God has done, and we forget God himself. And Psalm 103 tells us three things about this forgetting. It tells us why we forget, what we forget, and how we remember. So why don't we pray as we start. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word is true, it's trustworthy, when we look at it, Lord, you speak to us. Thank you, Lord, that the, the, the glory of the word is in the fact that it reveals Jesus. And I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you would speak to us. I don't have anything to say unless you say it. So would you speak to us this morning in Jesus' name? And everyone said, Amen. Amen. 
So the first point, Psalm 103, why do we forget? Or the forgetting itself. And part of the difficulty for us to understand this psalm is that our stupid English word, remember. It's, when you say remember, it's kind of this, this shallow, count your blessings, fluffy type of remembering. Um, and we, we think like it's just mental recall, um, pulling back some facts, or trying to uh, just remember what I did last Wednesday. But what the Bible talks about remembering is something far, far deeper than just counting your blessings. It's actually interesting how many times the Bible talks about remembering and forgetting. Uh, in Isaiah 51, uh, God, through Isaiah, says, you, you're, you're afraid of mortal men and you forget the Lord your maker. He's saying you're afraid because you've forgotten me. Then uh, in 2 Peter 1, Peter lists off all these characteristics. He says, grow in goodness and love and kindness. And he lists all these things. And then he says, if you're not growing in them, it's because you've forgotten that you were cleansed from your past sins. God is, in fact, saying to his people in, in the Old Testament, you're going to forget me. In Deuteronomy, uh, the people of God are about to enter the promised land. And um, God says, watch out lest you become proud and forget the Lord your maker. In Joshua, uh, God is about to bring the promised people into the land. They're about to cross the Jordan River, and God blocks it. He dams up the river, and they cross, and it's a miracle. But as they're crossing, God says, pick up a stone. Get everyone to pick up a stone. And they cross, and they watch, and the river rushes down again, and everyone says, it's a miracle. God says, pile up the stones, because you're going to forget. You're going to forget. So, Make a memorial so that each time you walk past, you'll remember. Why? Why do we forget? But it has to be something deeper than just mental recall because God himself is talking about forgetting and remembering. He keeps talking about again and again, I'll remember your sins no more. What does that mean? Is God saying, 1980, I I knew he did something wrong. What was that? I remember no more. No, it's something far deeper. In the Bible, remembering is central to your consciousness. What is controlling your awareness, your consciousness? What is so central in your mind, central in your life, that everything you do flows out of that? Your life flows out of that? So that um, all your actions, whatever is central to your consciousness is the acid test to your behavior. What you live out of that. Um, this is why God told the Israelites not to forget. He says, it, it's not that you won't mentally recall that, oh yeah, God brought us across the Jordan River. It's that you won't feel it anymore. It won't be vivid in your memory anymore. Uh, I'm sure we've all had things where we've, uh, we have regrets in life. We, we do something that we wish we'd never done and we go, I'm never going to do that again. But then weeks or days or even hours later, we find ourselves doing it again, don't we? What happened? Well, we didn't feel it anymore. It was once we said, it's not going to change, and we're going to change, and and it's central to our consciousness, and then other things get in the way, don't they? Or maybe some of you might be saying, well, my problem isn't forgetting, it's remembering. Maybe there are things that you've, um, you've done, or that have been said to you, or that... Um, 
or that people have done to you that you can't forget. You've seen it and it's so seared on your memory that every time you think about it, you feel it. What's wrong? Well, the Bible says that our memory is affected by sin. We're broken. Part of it is that we, re- we don't remember what we're supposed to remember. We, we forget God. He's not in the center of our consciousness. And other things get in the way. Now, I think um, this is really, really important because whatever we, we focus on, whatever is in the center of our consciousness is what we live out of. It's what determines our actions and it's what shapes our lives. So what do we forget? That's why we forget. The fall has broken us and our memories are skewed up. What do we forget? Well, have a look at our passage. What does it say? It says, praise the Lord on my soul and forget not what? Is it all his attributes? No. Is it all his laws? No. Forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103 is about grace. It's about the gospel. And to understand what the good news is, we have to realize it's saying two things. One is it's saying, I am more sinful and broken than I could ever dare imagine. And yet, at the same time, I'm more loved and accepted than I could ever dare believe. Psalm 103 is about the gospel. We see this in verse 14. He says, For we knows, God knows how weak we are. He remembers that we're only dust. Now, dust is like the, the lowest of the low, isn't it? Dust can't talk, can't speak, can't do anything. And David has gone through the highs and lows in life. He knows what it is to be down in the dust have people walk over him and I'm sure many of us have it sometime or other too dust under the bottom of other people's shoes and yet that's where God finds us Uh, when I was in Broken Hill I was doing some painting at the church and I chucked all my painting equipment the can of paint and the the brushes and drop sheet and everything in the back of my car I'd finished was heading home and uh, about an hour later I had an appointment to go out to so as I'm driving along I'm going there's a funny smell in my car. And uh, I turn around and the paint can had tipped over. The lid had come off and this whole can of paint had spilt over in the back of my car. And so I'm freaking out. And I'm chucking things out of the back of my car and I'm trying to get to ground zero. And eventually, I realize that it's actually happened in the best possible way. The paint has run along. You know those like silver... Um, like things that you put to shade your windscreen. It's, it's run along one of those down the back of a seat and it's settled a whole can of paint under the back of the seat. And I'm praising Jesus because it's actually gone down and I can't see it. But you know, <laughs> you know, it actually showed me something about grace is that all liquids run downwards. They always go down. They seek out the lowest point and so does grace. Grace always seeks out the lowest point. Um, In the Gospels, Jesus spent most of his time with the poor, the blind, the lame, the lepers, the hungry, the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the persecuted, the downtrodden, the captives, the possessed, the heavy burdened, the rabble, the crowds, the little ones, the least, the last, the lost. In short, Jesus hung out with the ragamuffins. He hung out with the people who were filthy and poor and realized they had nothing to their name except grace. They had nothing to deserve of God's favor, and yet they were the ones that found it. The ones who thought they deserved God's blessing never found it. 
but the ones who realize I have nothing. I'm poor in spirit, as the Beatitudes say. I have nothing to deserve God's blessing. They were the ones that found it. I love one translation of the Beatitudes which says, Blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope, because when there's less of you, there's more of God. We're dust. He remembers that we're only dust, and yet that's where grace finds us. And that is one half of the gospel. I'm more sinful than I could ever dare believe. And yet, in Psalm 103, David has seen a shadow of grace. Verses 10 to 12 says, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. David had seen this shadow of grace. But what David didn't know is that one day, When David says, he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, what David didn't know is that one day God would step down and do exactly that. One day God would step down into humanity to become one of us. And John 1, it says, for God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. And yet, he took the weight of all the times we have forgotten God. Um, He hung there on a cross crying, my God, my God, why have you forgotten me? He was forgotten because we forget God. God became forgotten. Jesus became forgotten so that we could be remembered. The great reversal. Jesus was forgotten because we forget God so that we can be remembered. And as Christians, if you're a Christian, our problems often come in one of two ways. One is that we forget that we're sinful. We forget that uh, we're dust. We have nothing deserving of grace. And so we fall into self-righteousness, thinking, I can pull it together myself. I can do it myself. Or the other way around is that we forget, we remember that we're dust. We remember that we're broken. and, And then we get despondent and discouraged and afraid and stressed because we've forgotten grace. Between religion and irreligion, between the two poles, the gospel says no at the same time. I'm more sinful than I ever dared believe, and yet, at the same time, I'm more loved and accepted than I could ever dare believe. That's the gospel. And that's what Psalm 103 calls us to remember. But the problem is, how do we remember? I said in the first point that that we don't remember. We, We keep, as part of our broken selves, forgetting God, forgetting what God has done, forgetting His benefits, And this is what we need to remember. But how do we do it? Well, Psalm 103 gives us the key as well. He says this, um, Let all that I am praise the Lord. Look at the first line. Who's David talking to? Is he talking to God? Is it a prayer? No. Is he talking to others? Well, only in the end of the psalm, he's kind of proclaiming that. But the main part of the psalm is saying, Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise his holy name. David is preaching to his heart. David is saying to his heart, this is what you need to remember. And uh, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, has a great example, I feel, of uh, what preaching to our own soul looks like. Imagine um, you walk into a room and you see your friend is reading a newspaper. They're totally engrossed in the story. And uh, as they're sitting there, you can see that on their sleeve is a big, hairy, ugly huntsman. And it's crawling up, and and you think to yourself, I've got to say something. So you say, uh, 
crawling up your sleeve towards your neck is a big, hairy, ugly huntsman. And they're sitting there and they go, uh-huh. And you say, did you just hear me? Yeah, yeah, I heard you. What did I just say? Uh, yeah, I've got a big, hairy, ugly huntsman crawling up my sleeve. And five or ten seconds later, they go, I've got a big, hairy, ugly hand. And they throw the paper down and they, they shake themselves off. What was the difference? What was the difference? The first time it went in, but they didn't know it. The second time, they heard it in their inmost being. The first time, it was simply an intellectual idea. They knew it, but it hadn't gone all the way down. The second time, it had gone all the way down and it galvanized them into action. They, they saw all the consequences, all the ramifications, in a split second, of course, because with Huntsman's it's easy. But um, they saw it all, and it galvanized them into action. And that's preaching to your own whole, taking the truth all the way down into your heart. John Newton says the same thing happens to us. When, when someone says, yeah, yeah, I believe that God loves me, and yet you're afraid, you're bitter, you're scared, you're worried, you're despondent. If you're like that, you're like the person who says, yeah, I know that I've got a huntsman crawling up. I say, no, you don't. You know it, but you don't know it. And preaching to your heart is taking the truth all the way down. It's preaching your heart hot till it catches fire in the presence of God. It's preaching to your heart hot until it catches fire in the presence of God. What we need to do is not another essay, not another intellectual idea, not another uh, a prayer even to God, but we need to, to take our soul and we need to take the truth into our heart so deeply in the presence of God that it catches fire. That it's not just an idea, but it goes all the way down. I think we don't know much about this, modern people. We're too busy. We, we let it go in, but we don't let it go all the way down. We're too rationalistic. This is none of these. Uh, David is being rational. He, he's, he's being furiously rational. He's taking the benefits and he's saying, so listen to what he's doing. Listen to what God has done. He's forgiven my sins. He's healed all my diseases. He's redeemed me from death. He's crowned me with love and tender mercies. He's filled my life with good things. David is saying, so look at his benefits this way and this way and this way. In one way, it's intensely rational. But in the other way, He's also saying, I'm bringing my soul into the presence of God. I'm bringing it in, and I'm letting God do the work in me. So, Psalm 103. The main thing you and I need, although we may believe the gospel, is that we forget the gospel. It's not central to our consciousness. And because of that, because we forget... We, um, our hearts pull other things that we shouldn't be remembering, what other people have said, our pasts, our, our mistakes, what, what people have, have judged us by, and we pull that into the center of our consciousness and we live by it. But no, Psalm 103 says, instead, take the gospel that I'm more sinful than I could ever dare believe. I desperately need God to save me, and that's exactly what he's done. He has taken my sins. He was forgotten so that I could be remembered. And we take that truth and we preach it hot to our hearts until it catches fire. Can we do that, church? In Jesus' name, let's pray.
Father, so often, Lord, we just let the truth be an intellectual idea. We just let it be something that's gone in and we don't feel it. It doesn't go all the way down. But Lord, thank you that you became forgotten for all the times that I've forgotten you. And Lord, thank you that because of that, thank you that because of that, I can stand remembered by God in his grace. That even though I'm more sinful than I could ever dare believe, I'm more loved and accepted than I ever dare imagine. May we remember that in our very souls, Lord, not just as an idea, but as central to our consciousness so that we live out of it. Help us to do that, we pray. We can only do it by your Spirit. So do it in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.